Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino and this week I'm joined by James as well as your special guest Paul Sheridan of the Wakes as we cover all things Celtic. Celtic blitzed their way into the Scottish Cup quarterfinals on Saturday night, scoring their 100th goal of the season in the process and a 5-1 win over St Mirren. And Angie's side seem to be hitting top form at a very good time in the season. James, a good advert of the weekend for Saturday night football. What impressed you most on the night and what's been your Celtic moment of the week? Just their relentlessness, you know. Um, they stick to their game and that was, you know, a bit of talk from Stevie Robinson after the game that, you know, we were good up to 75 minutes. It's like, well, you know, you need to go with us for the full 90 because in those 15 minutes we can be so deadly. So really impressed with the team. Good to see, you know, guys like O'Reilly hitting a bit of form. Um, really happy because it was a long time coming and obviously getting his goal uh, was great. But my moment of the week would be Rio Hatati for uh, the setup for O's goal, which was a kind of double back heel. He rolled over the ball one foot, back heeled it there, took out two defenders, got it to O'Reilly, got it to McGregor for his shot. It was just outstanding. Yeah, he was great in general, Paul. I know you've uh, watched the game. Hatati was brilliant when he came on, wasn't he? Hatati's excellent. I mean, he's only been playing the game for professionally for two years, but he comes in, he's so assured, he's got so many touches, his, the subtleties in his play. Um, he brings so much and he's got a great shot. He's got great vision as well. And I think he also doesn't realise how good a player he is. That's the thing about Hatati that I love about him. Quite yeah. humble. I think he had two years professionally in Japan and yep, he's since come to Celtic and obviously kicked on a few levels. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show, of course. Good to finally get you on. We're going to chat a wee bit later on the show about your own Celtic story and about your, your musical links to the club and, and that side of things. But meantime, how are you enjoying things in general under Ange at this moment in time? And what's been your own moment of the week? Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying football under Ange. I think I'd actually, just now, I don't think there's been a, there's been a side that have played with the same sort of Flair and and um, and just blowing people away like Hange's team has. I don't think maybe for the past maybe twenty years, even when we were having very very successful Celtic teams. Thanks for having us on the show, by the way. I meant yeah, to say that, that first of all. It's but, been a long um, time coming. My favourite moment of the week is it's good to see Big O getting a goal uh, coming on. You know, it doesn't matter if it's your first game and you score. It, obviously, as a striker, you want to get as many early goals as you can. But hey, listen, took Henry Larson three games I think till he got his first goal for Celtic. 
and for all to get on to, and the, the manner he scores his goal as well very much a striker's goal so I'm going to go with that it's my moment of the week yeah James we done the post-match after the game on Saturday night and spoke about just how important it was to get that goal pretty early in his Celtic career he's, he's not had that many games he's not started a game yet so it's, it is early early but you don't want any kind of not doubts but any whispers creeping in that oh you know maybe it's a signing that's not going to work out and all these things he's got that sorted so delighted for the guy yeah it's a, a big plus for him Okay, so let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. We'll get started with this week's big debate as we look at some of the incredible numbers around Celtic's season so far and at the goal-scoring exploits across our 36 games to date. Then it's time for this week's mystery sell as Paul and James try and name the famous ex-Celtic player. And after that, we'll spend a bit of time with Paul as he tells us of writing songs about Celtic legends, performing all over the world and of his own Celtic story. And finally, we'll finish this week's show by bringing you something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic media. Okay, so to get us started, uh, the big debate, it focuses on the numbers for the season so far, and in particular, Celtic's phenomenal goal-scoring exploits. O's goal on Saturday that you've mentioned there, Paul, it wasn't just his own debut goal for Celtic, it was also the 100th goal we've scored across all competitions this season. So what we'll do first, we'll look at some of the numbers and discuss just how far we think this team can take their goals record between now and June. So... 102 goals for the season, 100th was O's and then we've obviously got Rio Hattati and Matt O'Reilly have scored. So 102 goals this season across 36 fixtures. In the Scottish Premiership, James, as we discussed last week, 78 goals. In the League Cup, 10 goals. Scottish Cup, another 10. And in the Champions League, definitely less, so four goals there. Just as a separate stat, James, since coming back from the World Cup break, we've scored 40 goals in just 13 games during that time. And it just shows the incredible appetite of the Celtic side to score goals at this moment in time. Yeah, and it's just the way Ange set it up. It's earlier on. Relentless is the word I keep using. But when you've got someone breathing down your neck in just about every position now, in fact, I can't really think of anyone who doesn't have someone challenging them for their place, it creates that positive competition, a virtuous circle where everyone's striving and we want the goals to come from all over the team and the way you're going to catch the manager's eye and underline that you deserve to be in the, the starting eleven is by, by scoring goals so it's it's a great atmosphere a great culture that Angie set up that's leading to, to us getting the rewards yeah Paul do you want to try and fill in the missing blank here from the following stat you ready Celtic hit five goals on Saturday night against St Mirren meaning we've now scored four goals or more in blank games this season how many games do you think it is well let's go at least I think maybe at least seven definitely at least seven I thought you were going to I thought okay. you were going to go, right. I don't know, 50? <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll go for 12. Yeah, you're close enough at 12. It's 14 games. We talk a lot about stats, James, when we're doing the post-matches for the various games and it feels like this is a stat I'm updating almost weekly just now since coming back from the break. I think maybe four or five times Celtic have scored at least four goals, uh, most recently, of course, on Saturday night. And a big part of what Celtic are doing just now comes down to the fitness levels of the players and Andrew speaking with Gordon Strachan about this post-match if you lads have seen that clip did you catch them on Saturday night? Brilliant yes. uh, it was good <laughs> it was I, great, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that every Saturday for an hour if they wanted to commission it do you know if you could subscribe to something like that you definitely would it was like I spoke about it it was just two wily old football campaigners just shooting the breeze it was great wasn't it? Aye. I liked it whenever he started asking about what What, what did you do? how come Gavin's lost <laughs> five stone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aye, it was great very good fun. Refreshing. So, so Strachan yeah. described this Celtic side as super fit at this moment in time and asked Ange specifically about how important that was to his team. Ange replied, it's something we pride ourselves on. I know a lot of people talk about our football, but in terms of the lads themselves, they work so hard on that part of their game. Paul, have you noticed a, you know, a big difference in how fit this Celtic side seemed to be and how important do you think as to how Ange plays? 
Oh, Celtic play for 90 minutes plus, right? So, the, and they, they are full pelt the full time. You look at watch games and you see guys like Maida chasing balls down into corners in the last five minutes of the game. Always the threat. We've got so many goals that come late on in the game as well. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's it's also one of the reasons that Celtic come from behind as well when we've had adversity in the campaign. You think, see Gordon, Gordon Strachan? Gordon Strachan was at one point seen as a kind of revolutionary player because of how fit he kept himself in his diet. And, that's back in the nineties and the late, you know, the late nineties. That was that was different. But this Celtic team, you know, is a is a new breed again on on the players who were we consider as being fit in the past. Celtic have always had that last gasp ability to go forward and get that that goal. But I do feel that the Ange it just seems as though it's instilled. There's a fitness about them. The players are running down. You look at the the pressing game that they play from the fullbacks. Um, so the, the I think that's. It has to be a, a real key area in, in Celtic success is just how fit they are. And you know what? And it, it, It's shown in the results and it's shown in the way that we, we've been grinding them out. Yeah, it's a good point on striking himself, James. I think he played till he was 40. Yeah, sure I did. think was it yeah. at Coventry maybe where he become player manager. Um, and clearly, as you say, Paul, it was a bit revolutionary at the time. It wasn't the norm. And I think when Arsene Wenger came into Arsenal, that's when things started to take a, you know, another step in that direction. You know, chat about 24-hour athletes and I think various guys didn't last long under Wenger at all when he you know, brought in all the sports signs. And even fast forward to relatively recently at Celtic when you had the Lee Griffiths tea cake kind of stuff. And, you know, I know that's a bit of fun, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't very professional. And then Ronnie Dyla tried to introduce good yeah. diets and it seemed a few senior pros weren't happy. You know, no chips in the canteen, no tomato sauce, all that kind of stuff. Now you fast forward to what we're seeing under Ange and it's just extreme levels of fitness. And I don't think you get to this side under Ange unless you're, supremely fit first and foremost regardless of how good a player you are yeah I, th- I think Rodgers and, and Ange have built on the foundations that Dyla put down and you know saying these things and absolutely could you imagine Griffiths turning up overweight you know ex-body fat and saying how am I not going to game you know fine why you're not going to game just not going to happen you know we used to see like this I mean it's the culture that Ange has instilled in Celtic and I think that's one of the main things as well um, that, that is different you don't see or hear of as often Celtic players out on a Tuesday night you know, it's not the same way as it, as it maybe had in football. Possibly depends when the when the deals are on. I'm not too sure. I don't really get myself anymore. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's the whole culture itself. It's very different. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. Slightly separate, James, to the the fitness question. But what's your take on the the five subs rule? So obviously, Celtic played to perfection under Ange, and you know, with the squad we've got, there's no doubt that it's a huge advantage. Do you think it's slightly unfair on other teams across the league? Oh, as I can have a, a parallel point, I think we've got to get away from this defeatist, oh, we can't do it, we're just wee poor hips or whatever kind of thing. Go and look at Bodo, go and look at Twent, go and look at teams with similar budgets to yours across Europe and see what they're doing. And they're filling their, their bench with, whether it's youth or you know young signings, whatever it may be, they're actually addressing their problems instead of just going boo-hoo. It's a problem for us when we're playing Real Madrid. It's a problem for them when they're playing us. So no doubt we get an advantage from it, but it gives them a chance to bring on someone as well and change their dynamics. So they've got to see the opportunities in it, not the negatives. Yeah. He's a harsh man, Paul, isn't he? Sure is, but that's that's what makes him the money it is today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so to push back on your point though, I think it's a challenge in the first place for, you mentioned Hibs, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, whoever else it may be. It's hard to get an 11 that can go toe-to-toe with Celtic, you know, and, and they might manage to do that. And then after you know, 60 minutes of football, and we'll get to some of these stats just shortly, but after 60 minutes of football, Celtic are then just cranking it up a notch again, and we generally make three subs at that moment in time, and then a couple later on, and it's very, very hard to deal with. But then you maybe your tactics need to change at that point, 
where you've you've given your tank. So St Man gave their tank and they were brilliant for those 70, 75 minutes. But if they know, you know, they're going to be chasing the game the whole time, then something's got to change in their tactics at 70, 75 minutes, whether they go long or very defensive or extra guys at the back and just try and tuck it in for the for the remainder. They can't just play the same way and be as open as they were when they're tired. That's just, you know, I'm not a football manager, but I know that. They're damned if they do, damned if they, if they don't, though. So, you know, they, they could take the approach, I tell you what we'll do during the 90 or the 60, we'll save some energy because we know they're going to change it. And, and then you might just get run over the top anyways. No, but you can refresh the energy from the bench. They've got five subs from the bench. They can they can do to refresh their energy if they're going to be going on a kind of a two banks of five in the last 15 minutes. It's There's always a way... At any level of football So I, I just don't accept The defeatist Kind of talk It's not your problem And you don't care do you? No I, th- I think If managers and other teams Start addressing that We get a more competitive league And we get harder games And we get more enjoyable games And I appreciate the budget disparity I, re- I really do But Small teams have beat big teams Smaller teams are beating bigger teams In Holland In Norway In Denmark You know All, all across the across Europe So why, why don't we see more of that From our you know, smaller club managers rather than just saying, oh, well, we can't do it. I think any one of these clubs in a one-off can beat the bigger sides. And now no, and I know. Then, I mean, know, I mean in the season. Celtic are lose to St Martin, you know, yeah. now and then. But over the piece, PSV and Ajax are going to win the league in Holland. You know, Benfica win it in Portugal and all They're these not, things. No. You know, Twente are, are, have been separating them for quite a bit. You know, the Dutch league is probably something we should be looking to or certainly if I was involved with a smaller club, I'd be looking to look at Bodo, look at things like that. You know, where, where is the ambition for real youth maybe there's something structurally need, structurally needs to change from the, the SFA side that it goes towards an American draft system that teams like that get a bit of a first pick I'd be wide open to that yeah you know? maybe, yeah. as would I you know maybe just a bit of creative or, or revolutionary thinking might come into the game yeah but I don't um, think just going Ugh, you know can they do it that doesn't help anyone yeah, I do th- I've got to be honest I do think at this moment in time it's an unfair advantage for Celtic and to an extent Rangers you know given the bigger budgets and the five sub rule, I think, was initially brought in during COVID at times when squads were really stretched and you know, just to allow a bit more support. And they've kept it in. And it's hugely Celtic's advantage. And I'm not moaning about Celtic having an advantage, but I do feel that's exactly what it is. Well, do you know, the the five subs, I think, is, is helping Celtic because the, the quality Celtic have on the bench and the fact that we can play, we've got a, a, such a strong squad in depth. But you look back to maybe a year beforehand or just over maybe 18 months ago when Celtic's bench... I don't, I don't think there was that great quality that was on the bench at that time. We were filling with a lot of B players, a lot of guys that were on their way elsewhere. But then after the influx of the Japanese players came in in the January, that changed how Celtic's whole squad was. And I think that now you're looking at it and going, I'd take him my first team. He could be starting, but then the guys that are coming on are really proving themselves. Like O'Reilly's got a goal, Hatati scored a goal, Turnbull usually scores when he comes on as well. I'm glad O scored. Yeah. So yeah, there is that that, dis, that disparity then, but it wasn't. I don't think it was always there when we introduced the, the five subs rule. I think it's highlighted right now because just because of just how effectively Celtic have spent. Ange has masterminded this whole system where we've now got. 20, 22 players any one of whom could start a game on any given Saturday and you'd be happy enough with it Paul you're absolutely spot on you know with guys like uh, Uragidi and Liam Shaw and with all due respect Adam Montgomery and Owen Moffat all these you know various kids and stuff like that who were the only options you know back there during Angie's first season now you'd be happy with anybody you know mm-hmm. whether O decides to start a game David Turnbull you know whoever else in the defence it's just a 
it's a mind-blown position for Celtic to be in and it's such a huge plus at this moment in time. And that's one of the reasons with, with Jack and Marcus that I'm kind of was disappointed that he decided that he wanted to go his own way because he wanted more starting time. And I think that there's, from what I can see within the Celtic squad, there is more of a squad mentality and they are together. They are, they are the team. The squad is the team. And I feel like Jack and Marcus at that point Wanted to, you know, his cryptic TikTok messages and everything else. Yeah, I feel, I feel that did upset the apple cart, and you can see why Angie's really well. You know what? You do, you're not seeing the bigger picture, but you know I, you can go. I think GG was was was, was this the right signing for the right time. We Definitely. absolutely needed him at the first season. He did great, but I think it was quite evident early on that he, you know he did want that time, and it was it's hard because you want strikers to be arrogant and slightly individualistic. It's it's the nature of the beast. A couple of strikers here, goalie. <laughs> um, nature of the beast you know but that's not how Angie's teams work I mean Kyogo is the most selfless striker I've ever seen in my life yeah. picking up litter and all sorts but as soon as it became apparent that Jack Amakis did want that and was an individual it was already over yeah, yeah. football's never been as much a squad game as it is right now you know back in the day it was it was just your 11 then it was your 11 and you could replace a goalie if you get injured then a couple of subs throughout you know, the years beyond that. And now you've got the full use of five subs. And I suppose that's the challenge, James, isn't it? Is to see how we can now adapt this into Europe. You know, we're, we're showing at this moment in time how strong we are domestically. The big challenge will come all going well in next season's Champions League when we've got the chance to utilise the five subs there against the Real Madrid's and, and teams of that ilk and see just how we fare. Um, I'd like to put a wee bit of time just now on the emphasis that Celtic themselves placed on starting and finishing games really strongly. Um, and I'm going to highlight that just through some of the stats here, which I've broken down by competition. So in the Scottish Premiership, uh, we've played 25 games, scoring 78 goals so far. That's 3.12 goals per game. In 15 of those games, we've scored goals in the first 15 minutes. And in 16 of the games we've scored in the last 15 minutes. So we're kind of topping and tailing. Some games we're doing it in both, you know, scoring early, scoring late. Um, just as a bit of additional information, at this stage last season, league-wise, do you know how many goals we'd scored? Um, Your guessing's been on point so it's far. It's been all right, isn't it? I'll go for 64. Yeah, I was going to go 65, so something similar. Fair bit less, 54. So we've mm. scored 78 this time around and 24 goals less uh, this time last season. So it's a quite a remarkable difference there. Um, in the League Cup, Celtic have played three games and scored 10 goals. So that's 3.33 goals per game. And in all three of our League Cup games, we've scored in the last 15 minutes. In the Scottish Cup, we've only played two games, scoring five in each, so an average of five per game. And in both of those games, we've scored in the last 15 minutes. The stats then take a, a dip, as you'd expect, for the Champions League. So of the six-game campaign, we only scored four goals, so an average of 0.67 goals per game. And we only scored in the opening 15 minutes in one of the games. That was the home one to Shakhtar Donetsk. And we only scored in the last 15 minutes in one game. That was away to Real Madrid. And it was essentially a you know a consolation goal by Jota. Great goal as it was. So it's quite easy to see here the big difference when it comes to European competition. And we know that Ange is continuing to, to look for improvements in that area. But for now though, James, domestically, some of those numbers are frightening, aren't they? What do you think of that first and last 15 minutes start? It's Ange all over. You know, that's how he, he, he sets them up to come out of the blocks fast and he sets them up to finish strong and to lose no energy until the final whistle, you know. <laughs> What you're seeing is the embodiment of what he said in his very first training session for Celtic, you know. And it's a lot of managers come in and they say things or they go to a press conference and they say Michael something. Michael Beale. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm going to Less said, less said the better. Say less. Um, they, they come in and they make a lot of talk and stuff and it, it, it's, it's all fluff. It doesn't really mean anything. It meant something. I mean, I think by the time Ange 
landed and got you know the the training jersey on. People were you know quite excited about him. You saw that video and it was like, oh wait a minute, this is this is going to yeah. be something special. And he showed straight away that it wasn't bluster. So that that's all it is. He's he's doing what he said he was going to do. Yeah, he he came with a with a philosophy mm. and he, he he issues that philosophy and everything he does. Yeah, I think a lot of folk heard the philosophy and were just waiting for him to fail. And it's it's clearly not worked out for those people. It's a it's a clear indication of how he sets up his teams, Paul. It's, you can score a few goals early and a few goals late by chance or by luck at times. The patterns that have now emerged this season, it's very much by design, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, 30 old years ago said, it's not, are you going to win? It's how many are you going to win by? Mm. And that was the Celtic philosophy of that. I thought you were going to do your very old impression there. No, you're going to win. It's how many goals you were going to win by. Yeah, but Ange really brings it in. And that's that's the frightening thing. If you're, if you're up against Celtic, you know, it's right from the start, Celtic are putting on pressure. Some You have some teams that are actually trying try and take it to Celtic. Uh, early on and from kickoff, but very very quickly it's, it's proven that Celtic are actually then will wear you down, score a goal, yeah, and they create so many chances as well. Celtic that that's the thing is it's not like we're getting one goal out of nothing. Mm -hmm. and you're talking about goals you can maybe score because of, the, of of chance. Celtic are constantly constantly creating chances, yeah. um, and, and and actually have been unfortunate not to have scored more goals. I think this season, yeah. with the the, the the amount of times the post has been struck as well. It's the Celtic philosophy. It's, it's continuous. It's relentless. It's non-stop. Yeah. What was really interesting, going back to that chat, James, between Ange and Gordon Strachan, was when Ange was talking quite specifically about the fact that if St Martin or anybody indeed are, are you're expending all that energy for 60 minutes, something's got to give beyond that. I think Ange was quick to credit St Martin with how they approached the game. You and I credited them. I think they had a, a real decent go at it. But I think teams at this moment in time, they do not know whether to stick or twist. You know, they, they kind of can't win either way. Um, but to be fair to St Martin, they, they did come at Celtic, they pressed far higher. Gordon Strachan spoke about how teams usually wait till Celtic get to 35 yards from goal and then engage. St Martin were very different. They were engaging Celtic even, you know, across the halfway line at different times and making it a real challenge. But you cannot do that without losing energy. And so long as Celtic are composed on the ball, and that was Angie's message, keep your composure, keep playing the ball, keep doing the right things and the chances will come. And I suppose it's no coincidence that we're, we're then scoring so late in games. I mean, I think four of the five goals, James, came in the last 15, yeah. 20 minutes. So it tells its own story, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, following Celtic a long time and you know, as, as that clock gets towards 80 over the years, you're going, my best is slipping away. I am extremely relaxed on 75, 80 minutes. Remember Aberdeen, Callum McGregor? Mm -hmm. And I genuinely wasn't worried. Um, and says, you just keep you keep moving the ball and moving yourself and the gap will come the gaps will come and that proved against Aberdeen and it proved against St Mirren so th th again it's discipline and it's philosophy and they're following it what I, I said I think it was after the St Johnson game or it was St Johnson game the players have bought into it so much they can do it without the manager's instruction they're now seeing things within the game and saying right we don't need instruction or to be told we can, we can play in a slightly different fashion where we're staying within our philosophy of how we play in football to be to have a higher chance of success. And I think that's a real departure for any football team when you start to operate the manager's philosophy within yourselves. Yeah. I think Ange had a bit of work to do when he came in initially in terms of a you know a bit of a hearts and minds campaign. Mm. He had to win over the players, he had to win over his own support staff, he had to win over the fans. But a bit of success does a lot for you. You know, you win the league cup first of all, people realise there's something to this. Uh, obviously he's, he's followed it up with the league and now we're seeing the fruits of all of Angie's labour in terms of some of the results 
And I think exactly that, James. I think the players have just fully bought into it and they, they fully believe in his methods, don't they? Yeah, I think, you know, he comes in at first. He was coming from a Celtic team that were on the decline. Edward, as much as I loved Edward, was such a, a lazy striker mm. at times when he wasn't engaging and when he wasn't on the ball or getting chances. And he was quite, I felt Edward was quite huffy at times. And then as he starts to, you know, bring in his own players and you look at Kyogo, who's work, the work rate of Kyogo is just mental before he even scores a goal. And he's had to, he has had to work on players and, and get them. And I, I, I think what I really like to see as well is how Johnston's coming into the side too. I don't feel as though I miss Juranovic the way I thought I might. I think Johnson's a very effective player. I don't think he's as effective just yet as being an inverted uh, fullback. But he, he, he certainly comes into the side, has the same driving philosophy as Owen. Greg Taylor's been an absolute revelation under him. See if Greg Taylor, I think, had been under Lennon for another year, he'd have... He'd have faded away, I think, as a, as a player. Could have mm. pitched up at Aberdeen or something. No yeah. disrespect to Aberdeen, but his path might have been totally out of Celtic. Whereas I think Taylor's been one of our players of the, of the year this, this season. And he's been excellent. And he, he he embodies, I think, what Ange is doing. And I think that's, that, that Ange has that touch of, of working with players, putting his philosophy into them, allowing them to express themselves as well. And it's it's great. Yeah, he's, he's turned around the club from from so in so many ways. I think it says a lot about what Ange has done and what he continues to do, that you can lose such a key player in Juranovic from last season and such a key player and goal scorer in Jack and Marcus, and we're all right about it. Nobody's yeah. nobody's getting upset. We we've all accepted this is just football guys, players move on. Whereas back in, you know, recent years, if you lose one of your key players, all hell breaks loose. It's nothing like that. You, you, you're just so confident in how he's managing the process. You look at when uh, Dembele went, you know, there was talk of Dembele going before he went and all that stuff. When Seaman went, it was devastating because <gasps> you're going, what's the cover? And no harm, but it was Mikey Johnson was the cover. How dare so, you? So, <laughs> sorry, Dino. Big fan of Mikey Johnson in the Is corner he? there. Um, but, you know, that, that the, the height you had to drop from Dembele to, to what was next. Now it's first and foremost, don't worry about it because Dembele's getting replaced in a day or two if not a couple of days before and there's also other players around that can play the role Dyson for example stepping into number nine there you know when Kyogo goes off so it's um, a credit there has to go to Ange obviously but obviously to Mark Lowell and Michael Nicholson it's now a team game off the park as much as it is off it yeah, it yeah it's a good way to put it um, going back to some of the numbers uh, around the season so as I mentioned we've got 102 goals for the season so far they've come from 18 players James I'd like you to name them in order of a goal scored please Join just name the four that I haven't <laughs> that, well I tell you what that's interesting in itself so aside from the goalkeepers Paul there's seven members of the first team who haven't yet scored for Celtic this season you want to have a quick crack at naming them Staffel scored a goal this season he scored two goals so he has Carter Vickers yep right okay he's one right now I'm having to think about guys on the bench Ralston scored yet this season nope so mm. you're totally oh, he has against Starts, but he wasn't allowed Tony Ralston um, Bernabe have I made him up no that's correct Bernabe is it Ralston so, are you talking Kobayashi and stuff like that as well? I'll give you a Wat and Kobayashi. Edigucci. Yeah. Don't count him, he's Ofsky. McCarthy. McCarthy. And there's one more that you've missed, but you mentioned him a second ago. Alistair Johnson. Alistair so Johnson, the seven are Carl Vickers. Give him a chance, man. Carl Vickers, Alistair Johnson, Bernabe, Kobayashi, Ralston, McCarthy, Iwata. And there's obviously some of the, well, three of those guys are, are brand new in the building. Um, Kyogo, as we know, is top scorer on 22. There's quite a gap before the second scorer. Do you know who that would be, James? Abada. Abada, who's got 10 goals. Then you've got Jota and Maeda, both on nine. Jakimakis was on nine. And then after that, it's six, fives, fours and threes and all that kind of stuff. I've broken it down, though, in terms of forwards, midfielders and defenders. And as you would expect, so the forwards at Celtic absolutely, you know, pick up the, the heavy lifting there. Kyogo, Abada, Jota, Maeda, Jack Amakis now departed. 
James Forrest, Hak Sabanovic are now O, have scored 68 of Celtic's 102 goals. Uh, then in their midfield, they've scored 20. In the defence, I've added nine. That includes three from Greg Taylor, who's found his shooting boots, mm -hmm. and then five own goals. So the pleasing thing from Angie's point of view, though, is that as much as, you know, Kyogo's, you know, hitting the big numbers in 22, you're very confident in Celtic side's ability to score from anywhere across the park. Yeah, they're, they're talented footballers, but they know the system. They know where they need to be. Um, was it that game against Motherwell or the game before where there was balls getting flashed out across the box and no one was there? We should have been three up in the first 10 minutes. And I think it's as close as I've seen this season to Andrew reading any kind of a riot, riot act. It's like, you know, we, we're playing the football. You know we play. You know you need to be there. So in this kind of, like, that was, you know, first kind of 10 games of the season or whatever it was, they know they've taken on the message. They need to be in their positions. They know the game very well. And with that, you get the goals. Greg Taylor's not in the edge of the 18-yard box by mistake. He knows that's his place to be. Mm -hmm. That's why he's getting his chance. Yeah, and I think it's just a matter of time before we do see Alistair Johnson get his first goal for the club. The one interesting stat is such is that Callum McGregor's only got two goals for the season, which it very much shows his evolution as a player, Paul. He is now absolutely a defensive midfielder, you know, a number six to use the modern term. And... Back in the day, if Callum McGregor was only getting two, you might be, you know, slightly concerned. But his game has changed so much that you're you're happy for him to chip in with a couple of goals here and there, and obviously a very important goal against Aberdeen, as James mentioned. But this is just the the new Callum McGregor. A linchpin would be the word. He's and he's very much in that role where he, he knows that he's almost you know he, and he's captain. He, he 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 starts the ball. He gets it. He wins it. He plays it out. He can have it. He's not afraid to have a shot. Also, he's missed a lot of the season both from injury, you know, the chunk before Christmas. But yeah, he's a, he's a different player from the fresh faced, cheeky wee boy that came in uh, when he did, you know. He's a, but I think he's such an important player and actually he he, he dictates the tempo of the game. And it's his role is, is different because he has, I'd say he's evolved as a player. He's a better player than he was. Yeah. And, you know, everyone has their role in the team and that's what he's been asked to do. He's, one of, those, to work. he's one of those guys where you. To a huge extent, you notice him when he's missing. You know, mm. he, he has been a wee bit unlucky with some recent injuries. And Celtic managed to get by that tricky spell. You know, Matt O'Reilly stepped into number six. But when Callum McGregor came back into the team, in fact, the Aberdeen game was the first one where he scored the winner, you just see how crucial it is to, to all things good about this Celtic team. Final question in this section before we move on. So we've got 13 league games left. We've got a League Cup final coming up in a couple of weeks' time. And we've got at least one more Scottish Cup game, but potentially three. So potentially 17 games left to play overall. As I say, we're on 102 goals after 36 games. Do you lads want to hazard a, hazard a guess at how many goals you think we'll finish on? 102 then now. 102 right now. 150. I mean, taking it as, you know, we've just, you know, we've played 36 games, we've got around about half of that left to play. So yeah, if we keep going in the way we're going, 150 would be a hell of a number though, wouldn't it? I'd be lovely to think. I just hope everyone stays injury free and can, and, and can keep the momentum going. I, I don't think, you know, I think Andrew just wanting to keep scoring and keep playing the way they're doing and keep pushing. He won't stop, won't want to stop to the end of the season. So, aye. Be great if it can happen. It's what we look for. Just give me a number. James says one fifty. I'll go for one six eight. One six eight. No, I'll go for I'll go for one four nine. One four nine. Playing it, playing it very very safe. So we'll revisit that and we'll see how things fare. In Bring the me season. back in when it's one six eight, right? Yeah. But what we are seeing at this moment in time is a Celtic team. James, the, the, the key word we've used it several times now is relentless, and that's exactly what Celtic yeah. are. And long may that continue. 
Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. Paul, do you play this at home? I do, I like it in your Twitter as well, so I usually do it. I've been okay with it. How's, how's your form? I was going to say, what's your strength? It's been all right. It, it all depends on era and it depends on sometimes... If, if they've been UK based I'd be like do you know what they went there that's of course they went there after but what, what's, what's your strongest era I'll see if I can help you out this week's uh, 90s to late 2000, to mid 2000s 90s that's quite a range 90s to mid 2000s I might just have something for you for today but we'll get to that so just to remind you of last week so clue number one since leaving Celtic I've gone on to play against the club in European competition Clue number two, I have dual citizenship and could have played for Ukraine where my father was born. And clue number three, my squad number at Celtic was once won by Lee Griffiths. The answer, of course, was the great Dane James, Eric Sviachenko. Your thoughts on Sviachenko's time at Celtic? Probably the nicest man in football. Too nice for a centre-half. Effie Ambrose is the nicest man in football. Second nicest man in football. Yeah. Just didn't have quite that uh, little bit that we need. Um, I thought he was a good player and he's obviously gone on to... Is it uh, Mitchell and he's with captain and yeah, yeah. So you know he's he's a respected um, footballer and you know he's he was good, not great. Is probably the best way. Lovely guy. Didn't really see him leaving when he left. I thought there was more to be come from him. Maybe he's the kind of guy if he'd come in and under Andrew's structure could have coached to be a bit more from him. But I don't know if he'd get a fair fair crack of the whip. Um, but yeah, I liked him when he was here and wish him all the best. Yeah, in terms of his kind of the. Stats around him as such, as such at Celtic. So he signed for the club in January 2016 at the very tail end of Ronnie Dyla's time at the club. He played a substantial number of games under Brendan Rodgers, very much part of the side that won the Invincible Treble in 2016-17. But he then struggled in general to really establish himself under Rodgers. He eventually returned to Michelin, so that's where we signed him from. That's where he returned in January of 2018. He initially returned on loan and then they made it permanent. Uh, but overall at Celtic, he lifted two leagues, two league cups and one Scottish cup. He's quite an interesting guy and as you say James maybe too nice to be a, a, a proper kind of cutthroat centre half Bit of a scholar you know quite a smart guy Very yeah. much you know I mentioned his dad in the clues his dad was an artist born in Kharkiv in the Ukraine and he comes from that kind of creative family like yourself Paul we'll maybe get to that I, I read interestingly that he's quite a deep thinker and throughout his career he's always worked with a mental coach not to be confused with mental coaches which is you know what you get sometimes at different levels in Scotland but Quite unique, Paul, in terms of footballers to to take that kind of approach. You know, the, the kind of intellectual footballers. Uh-huh. Ah, you don't get that many. You don't get too many of them. They also like Pat, Pat Nevin as one, and Socrates as well. Yeah, so deep thinkers. Uh, Canton, I was at Canton. I said he was a, a fan of Rimbo, and they sent him a Rambo DVD, <laughs> a Rambo video. Um, aye, so he was. He was a quite a big, quiet guy, Svetchenko. I like a big, I like a big stopper, a big hard, hardy stopper. That's what I like, and he didn't really fit into that mould. But he did his job at Celtic, and he, he'll go away with you know some a, a part of a great side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think he's kind of well liked, well respected. And obviously, he came back to Celtic part with Michelin in the very early days of Angie's reign. So Michelin uh, beat Celtic, I think three two in aggregate in a Champions League qualifier back in the day. Beat on get sent off, James. Big surprise. Oh yeah. I mean, see if you want to do well as a footballer in Europe, just play for Celtic sometime, anytime, and then come back and play as with your new team. You win. Yeah, there's a I, lot of guys. It's, it's a, the greatest atmosphere in the world. And yeah. then and win it, and then walk away. <laughs> Aye, good for your Instagram. Okay, so let's move on to this week's mystery cell. Last week we made things a bit more interesting for the listeners at home, and the first ten people who replied with the right answer to last week's mystery cell on Twitter have each now been sent a link for a month completely free of the Celtic Exchange Plus. This week we'll do it all over again, so if you head to our Twitter page right now, you'll see the clues posted there as a pinned tweet. And again, the first 10 with the correct answer will be gifted that free month subscription. Are you ready for this week's mystery cell? 
Clue number one. Assigned for Celtic for £350,000. Martin Hayes. A striker. I can't take it. Okay, okay, okay. Do you not know how this works? No, I do know, but I'm just getting, I'm just chucking it out there. I, a Martin Hayes type. I think he was 400 and something. It's not Martin Hayes. Clue number two. I have 10 caps, but no goals. Tony for Scotland. Cass- oh, for Scotland. For Scotland. 10 caps, no goals. 350,000. Derek White. No. Um, I hadn't seen Derek White on the radar anywhere for a long time and caught a picture of him on Twitter him. with was it Roy Aitken Peter Grant Peter Grant the right oh, golfing in I Dubai or something um, three fifties. I don't think it's a okay well good for the last one then right yeah, so 10 caps has got no goals okay. sit tight for last clue not Mikey Galloway clue number three I've scored a goal in the championship playoff final England so to, promo- to win promotion at the Premier League and I've also scored in the Champions League so while the lads are having a wee think about that one, I want to give listeners a reminder of the additional content we provide over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. Among some special episodes we do with ex-players, coaches and journalists, we produce pre- and post-match podcasts for every Celtic game and we'll have more of the same before and after Saturday's league clash with Aberdeen. If you haven't already done so, you can experience the Celtic Exchange Plus now absolutely free with our seven-day trial. Simply visit theceltichexchange.com slash sign up to get started and to enjoy all the additional content we offer to subscribers. We've got subscription levels there starting at just £1.50 a month so if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week then visit theceltichexchange.com slash sign up now Phil O'Donnell? Not Phil O'Donnell 750. Pat McGinley? Not Pat McGinley We're in, we're in the right we're area in, We're in that right area? <laughs> no, not really <laughs> Is he a striker? Can't give a clue at all, I can't give you any more I'll give you a few so more seconds, lads the, the, uh, Just just to buy you some time The, the score is currently 3-2, Paul, to the panel Right So there's a bit of pressure okay. to maintain that lead I, Otherwise I'm I, going I, to Championship I, final Played in the championship playoff So one promotion I can see Miff screaming at his radio then Did he forget did he, did he, sc- he say he scored in the scored in the playoff final? He scored in the playoff final And he's also scored in the Champions League Oh, Champions, so Champions League format So it's in, in ten, a, 10 caps for Scotland uh, 2000 Scotland He's are buying too much time, lads. I'm Is it 10 caps for Scotland? Yeah, yeah, I told you that. Uh, you just give us a recap, let's have a You talk about some of your Celtic yeah. cluster. Sorry, lads. I'm going to have to declare it. The score is now three each. Hard oh, luck, man. Paul. Um, but remember, at home, if you think you know the answer to this week's Mystery Celt and want to win a month three of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pinned tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Celt. Okay, so let's now turn our attention to this week's special guest as we chat in a bit more detail with Paul here on his own Celtic story over the years, his experiences across the world with the Wakes band and the Celtic-inspired music that he's been part of over the years. Paul, we've known each other a long time, but do you want to start us off by giving us a bit of background on how you began following Celtic and your earliest influences there? Uh, probably would be as a as a baby, my dad singing to me in my, in my cot or putting me to bed at night singing the Johnny Thompson song. Is that legit? 100% legit 100% That I, sounds very flowery And he sang He used to sing Another one that was the, the To the tune of the Mary Plowboy But it was uh, Off to Lisbon in the green mm-hmm. On the 25th of May Then I think My times I had a wee Celtic top I was, gonna, I was trying to find it To bring in tonight uh, From my, my early times But really probably Would have got into Celtic about 1988, about 87, 88 in the, in the centenary year season. Yeah, so we're, um, we're the same age, right? So that'd be seven years of age, something like that? Seven years of age, aye. And just kind of living Paul McStay and then, and you know, I had the, the, the centenary year kit. I used to wear that quite a lot. But I think when Celtic became more than just Celtic on TV or football, it was 13, 14, and you lived or died by the results on a Saturday. And that was me, that the Hamden season, starting to go to games regularly. Um, 
often watching Celtic draw or lose points and people talking about us now Celtic player and and just that's that's we experienced the, the the lows of the 1994 uh, League Cup final and the highs of the 95 Scottish Cup final which was one of the best days of my life just because Celtic won the Scottish Cup and then from that point kind of everything just it, 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 you know changing it, it, about how much you were able to just everything you could take in from Celtic, everything you could take in from football, that became everything I was all about. Yeah, I was going to ask, so one of my questions is, you know, what, what were the kind of ups and downs in your Celtic support life? Absolutely, the Wraith Rovers Cup final in 94 Awful. was a low, low, low moment. Uh, and then immediately followed up by the Scottish Cup win in 95. Any other big ups or downs over the years? Big. I'll tell you my downs first as well. Let's get them out the road. Harder, um, the helicopter Sunday. Oh, that was the worst ever watching that in the toll booth. And, uh, Doesn't bother me, I've just blanked that from my memory. I will. And do you know, one of the great highs was going to Seville in the, the cup final, watching the, the going to the game, and then just the, the obviously the, that, that low that whenever we lost. But I think I was more proud. I think that was one of the great moments of just being uh, immense pride of, of watching Celtic get into that cup final and, and standing out in the terraces as they sang another walk alone at a European cup final, which was... Fantastic and, and great memories. That's still the sort of bittersweet memories of that season. I loved that era. I loved the Martin O'Neill era, um, and 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 just going to see Celtic all the time and and starting to also play music as well around that time properly and and uh, the great opportunities that that brought as well. So yeah, ah, wonderful. Favorite players over the years. You mentioned Paul McStay briefly. Would he be amongst the favorites? McStay definitely. Um, I probably by the time ninety four ninety five came, he was kind of. He was still a, such an important talismanic player for us because he just was shining. And but there were other players who we could been eclipse him. I loved like Van Hooydonk as a striker, just a big in attacking. Henrik Larsson, and over the years, just realised how important Larsson was. Craig Burley in the next seven, ninety eight season. I know he's not one of your mm, favourites, no. But I, 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 he scored so many important goals for us in that era um, or that season. Then it kind of disappeared the, the year after or so. Um, players like Tierney, Dembele, I love. I, I love Kyogo just now as a, as a player. Um, Jota, I love attacking Celtic players, Cadetti. There's, there's been so many ones that you hook on to and, and pr probably the, 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 the one I think is, is Henry Larson is the, the one that, that will never be replaced in my heart, definitely. And, <laughs> and I can go back and fall into YouTube wormholes of watching Henrik uh, scoring for us in Europe and uh, just incredibly lucky to have had him at, at playing for us. Yeah, no doubt. Um, in terms of the music, so you formed the Wakes Band way back in 2006, I think, along with your brother Chris, who we know well, uh, as well as a couple of other fellas we know, Chris Cruikshank, Eamon Maguire, uh, who are still part of the band now. For those who don't know the Wakes, do you want to tell us a wee bit about your style of music and the kind of things that are important to you and the guys in the band? I am. Um well, that kind of music is kind of what we'd, we'd call folk and roll. So it's a kind of mixture of folk music and kind of rock and punk influences. But very much it's in the, in the same vein as the Pogues, but we're political, we're left-leaning, um, anti-fascist, anti-racist in, in our songs. And we write songs about the Glasgow Irish and the, 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 I felt there's a kind of, a, a kind of living in the modern era as well as we look at um, things like immigration and we look at, um, a, you know, a, anti-austerity in our songs and uh, and sort of music culture kind of bring it together um, that's the, the kind of ethos behind the band we've had some uh, some great times over the years as well but you know we're, we're really very much about um, creating anthemic songs and that are uh, linked to, to our, our, our culture our kind of our, our, our uh, politics and everything else in between yeah 
if I was somebody who was brand new to the wakes, what, say, three songs would you recommend that I listen to to give us a good feel and a good idea of, of what you guys are about? Um, probably, I'd, I'd say, uh, These Hands would be one of our, our songs to listen to. It sings about the Spanish Civil War. That's another aspect of our stuff as well. Um, it sings about Michael Jimmy Mailey that came from Glasgow. And I would say No Humans Illegal is another one um, that is what we are about as well. Um, and uh, and also like maybe colours I put in colours in there which is a kind of just a good tune that is a bit more um, sort of layered in terms of understanding maybe for, if you're an outsider coming to the band for the first time uh, but there's there's loads of good loads of good ones in there as well you would say that I would say that <laughs> um, I was going to ask you specifically about colours because there's a what would I call it a backhanded compliment that came out of that song so tell us about you know, some of the words and where it now features or where they now feature well we there's a, a breakdown in the song and we come up with this is our city these are our colours uh, and that was by the first of all the the first people to use that were the Green Brigade but they, they messaged us and said look we're going to use this in our banner what do you think and that, but uh, on the day when it happened from our so you guys came up with the line first and, we then... Came up and they made the big, the big giant banner with it and this yep. is our city these are our colours which is brilliant uh, and then the that, that was it so we'd actually see it sort of appearing stickers and things elsewhere and, and then of course in the the, in the neckline of the, the Celtic jersey from the 2021-22 season when it said our city our colours and have you been suitably recompensed by the club for well, even a free pair of socks for it Nothing. we did we thought about it but then we thought well they've, they've obviously Adidas have got clever enough lawyers yeah. uh, we're just going oh what are you doing uh, are, you going to, are you going to take Adidas to court we, we toyed with the idea no, no we just thought about well that's Celtic we did put a wee thing out about saying um, a, bit, a wee thing on Twitter but just kind of like acknowledging it yeah. but uh, we never would. I mean a couple of quid would have been nice but there's a sense of pride that, that, that you know they saw fit enough to use your line on the, the back of the shirt do you know the fair, perfect if we wanted that's fine okay also it's it's the way that you know you can engage with it too so it comes out I've seen t-shirts with lines from songs like Always and Forever Antifa and I've I've seen them um, the the, the they took the entire song for these hands and put it in the it's in an English um, textbook like history book now and it's used in schools so it's good to see that, that we don't write the songs for that or for other reasons of getting rich and like that. it's all mm -hmm. about writing music and making music and how it goes out is, is it's good to see things being appropriate elsewhere I suppose if there's anything that can push your music further and bring it out to you know wider audiences I'm sure there's a, a sense of pride in that in itself Aye, so when I go up to people and pull a Celtic shirt to the back and go, that's my line for you, and then, then they're like, what are you doing mate, who are you? Yeah. What about uh, some of the, the kind of far-flung destinations you've been to the, with the band and, and some of the, the places you've played over the years? I know you've played on the pitch at San Pauli and maybe you can tell us a bit about that, but what's what's maybe been your, some of your favourite places to play? Like we did a lot of touring in, in sort of Germany and France and stuff, we went to Holland, um, Belgium, been to Russia. Went to Russia for a day. We went to Russia on a, for St Patrick's Day. Yeah, how um, was that? It, well, we flew out on the Friday night, and I think by the way that we flew out on the Saturday morning, sorry, and the way that the the hours worked out, we we're back home by like f two o'clock on the Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and just it, it, it was it was interesting, an interesting experience. Went to Canada for the North American Celtic Sports Convention. Are, are the bikes big in Russia? Uh, we weren't, no. <laughs> <laughs> how does something like that come to be? Uh, well. It was a it was a booking for St Patrick's Day weekend, but we, we did find when we went there, we were playing like Bella Ciao and anti-fascist songs. There were a lot of really angry guys in the crowd. I was so going to say, the, any, the politics, any, the politics are not aligned not for that event. Yeah, no. I was going to say, was there any concerns, any safety issues out there? We were concerned at the start because you can't fight. No, I, I know that, but I, I can. I was behind the stage. I could run away. <laughs> um, no, it was. Um, 
I think I think we just were a bit concerned whenever we realised actually our, the the you know we're booked as this is what we're doing, but the, the some of the people that were, were watching were were not of that uh, political persuasion. Yeah. We're very leftist in our, in our outlooks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that that was been uh, seen in the in the audience. Yeah. What about the San Pauli experience? Did you play as part of some of their? Was it an anniversary of sorts? Uh, we did. Um, so we wrote a song for San Pauli um, to help raise money for the fan room, which is a kind of independent. Big fan based area within the stadium, but it's not owned by the club. It's run by supporters. They have events in it, they make banners, they have concerts, they do loads of things. And we helped to, to establish that with them. And we wrote a song that called Pirates of the League and we gave it to them and said, Look, how are you going to use it? They put it on an album with some other ones to help raise money for the fan rooms. And we get invited for the 100th year anniversary to do a gig in the middle of the stadium as part of the, their events. It's, on YouTube and things, it was amazing. Just like yeah. like twenty five thousand people in the stadium. We were like midway through, but I got to finish the night off. You know, walk alone and close it all. And then I get invited out to play uh, Fabian Ball's testimonial game. So like Fabian Ball is like Sam Pauli's Paul McStay, midfielder, midfield maestro, scored in uh, a lot of SV um, HSV derby games. And then um, he asked me. If if I would come out and, and play in the, in the centre spot as he did his lap of honour and that was yeah. amazing so done quite a few things with Sam Pauli and so much uh, I'm a big Sam Pauli fan as well and, and that's uh, that's something that we've been delighted to have been asked to do over the years yeah. and to bring it back to Celtic so obviously you've done a number of events uh, a number of events over the years with you know various supporters clubs and you know individuals I know we've spoke before but you've think you've done something quite recently with Chris Sutton Martin O'Neill you know, Bertie Old when he was with us, Bobby Lennox, Murdo McLeod, George McCluskey, loads and loads of names. Any you know, good stories or good experiences from them? I think just in general, just how it's been a, a kind of surreal when you we get the chance to meet the, the players and are uh, like Martin O'Neill when he comes up and goes, love the music, it was great, that's great. And you're like, oh, man, I like the music. Bobby Lennox, a big fan. Bobby Lennox would always come up and uh, when we played down in Solcoats, would always come and seek us out and have the chat ways and he could sit and ask him about what was it like playing in America what was your, what, did, what did you used to eat before you played the games that I asked him he said, I used to eat in America eat honey's a sweet I'm really dead interesting uh, he'd always grab my brother's hat and take it off him um, just I Martin O'Neill George McCluskey great guy and um, I you know it, it is, it's a kind of you're you're just a wee bit on the side and you're totally fanboying these guys that you've idolised on, on the pitch you know so um I we were in Canada uh, in 2018 and we got to spend pretty much a week with Murdo McLeod and Dixie Deans and uh, every so often I just asked Murdo like what was the turning point in the 97-98 season yeah uh, it was wonderful yeah and a number of your songs have obviously got strong Celtic connections so the ones that jumped to mind of course is the, the Uncrowned King of Football which is a tribute to Jimmy Johnson uh, right up to your most recent charity single The Glory and the Dream which is all about Celtic's foundation in 1887 do you want to tell us a wee bit about them? Aye um, so I, I'd written uh, Jimmy Johnson's uh, Uncrowned King of Football just after he, he passed away and obviously Uddingston and, and Burtonshaw and Tannockside and View Park's all sort of central and I, I didn't just want to write a song about Jimmy being the best footballer I just wanted to kind of bring it into how important he was to that community so it was around that time that um, a guy called Phil Agnew was looking to help raise funds for the Jimmy Johnson statue in View Park and we released that as, as a single to try and, and, and raise funds for that um, and and that was written about Jimmy and I still love love playing that song and, um, and that so that was really I think it was for us it was just a about uh, our kind of love of jink- Jinky and, and, and how much he is it means just a, the, the, the real king of football just came from 
up the road, you know, his, his old house is two streets behind mine just yep. now, you know. Um, and uh, we did the, the Glory in the Dream, which was um, Paul John Dykes had got in touch with us to say that he was, he'd found this dem demo from 1987 written by Jinky Gilmore of the Silencers that Jinky had written to give to Celtic to be the song for the 1988 centenary year. Went on tour with Simple Minds. When he came back, Michael Kelly said, listen, we've discovered this thing called the Anfield rap. We've discovered rap music. We're going to go for a Celtic rap. And he did a rap song instead. And this song has sat dormant for the whole time. So our, our project was to try and raise, this was to raise money for St Mary's and the Carlton, was to then go out and, and, and revisit this song, rip it apart, redo it. And that's what we did. It was a kind of just before Christmas and it, it got to, it was at number one in the iTunes charts for like a couple of days and number well, number one in the rock tunes charts for quite a lot that week. Didn't didn't get into the actual main charts in the end, but it was great to do. And uh, we've done, there's a, a few different ones that mention Celtic as well in our songs and uh, it's, it's been great experiences getting to getting to do that as well. Yeah. The Glory in the Dream is a brilliant track and for anyone who's not heard that, I mean, you know, indeed any of the week stuff, we'll, we'll post some links in the show notes as well. We interviewed, uh, I spoke to Dr. Michael Connolly recently, and I don't know if you know Michael, who's, I think, originally Cobra Jr. He's good pals with Conor Markey, who's our, our mandolin and banjo player. Got you. So Michael's a smashing lad, and he wrote a book all about, or, or a thesis on Brother Walfred in recent times, and obviously it leans heavily into the, you know, the whole St. Michael's and the Carlton and that, that part of the community. So it's a really interesting listen, and it's a nice tie-in, and I think, I'm sure I set the track to Michael at the time, and... I know he really enjoyed that one. I mean, what's the writing process for tracks like that? Do, do you single-handedly deal with the writing of, of the songs or is it yourself and the band together? Um, for songs I'll do, I'll, I'll probably get a tune in my head and I'll, I'll write it and I'll come up with the lyrics and stuff and then I'll take it to the boys and then they'll kind of put their own twist on things or we might end up, if I don't have it totally format, formulated and say this is how it's going to go and it's going to go this bit and it's going to go that bit and then we'll bring in a, a tune in between then it might be a kind of process of everyone trying to find the right beat or trying to find the right bass line or Chris might say, can you write, let's write down some chords. And then there's other songs where I've got the structure for it and we've we've done something and then they've been like, right, here's the new, here's how we're going to do it instead, let's do this and we'll bring this beat in. That's me simulating playing a bass guitar. So there's a camera on, um, you don't worry about it. And, then, uh, and, that, and then that kind of builds in and uh, so everyone plays a part and it kind of pulls it together or there's been a couple of songs that have come from just us just playing about just just rehearsing but really most of the time I'll try and have something in my head and, and lyrics and a tune it's it can, you can find sometimes also fall down the route of doing the same thing over and over again and hoping it, it works so sometimes it's it's nice to experience songwriting through a different way as well yeah true can we expect a Celtic rap from you anytime soon I have tried to rap but I, I, I'm not very convincing doesn't really <laughs> vanilla ice doesn't really work for you um, finally Paul if anyone wants to check out some stuff from the wakes and look into a bit more about you know you guys and, and where you're playing next where can they do so um, usually follows on Facebook and Twitter um, we did have a, a website as well but we came in somebody bought our domain name oh, over one night yes uh, but you can also get things through YouTube um, if you're wanting to watch videos and stuff as well Spotify is a good link the weeks I and you know we're, we're pretty regular we've got some big gigs coming up over the course of the year but we can't can announce them just now we've we just we sold out King Tut's um, in a, within a couple of days Christmas time did St Luke's last year um, and we've got some trips away to Germany and, and some other places as well this year coming up so we just kind of keep on going yeah, so it sounds like some big stuff coming up. You'd mentioned to me some of the big gigs coming up that you can't quite mention just yet, but if folk want to check out Paul and the Wakes, do so at the Wakes on Twitter, and I'm sure any big announcements will be there in due course. 
finally for this week we're going to look at this week in Celtic media each week here on the weekly show we pick out something of interest that we've either watched read or listened to that we think that you our listeners will enjoy but this week's recommendation comes from Paul so Paul's keen to share with us one of his favourite Celtic media pieces of all time Paul what have you got? Mine is the official history of Celtic Football Club by the BBC in 1988 it is absolutely a work of art narrated by Michael Vanney William Michael Vanney yeah, Hugh McElvaney. No, it's William. Is Will- it William? Oh yes, he, he talks to Hugh in it. Would, ah, you, like, would you like my William McElvaney? Because I know it's fifteen was angling it. In 1967 <laughs> in Lisbon, a homebred Glasgow team was utterly outplayed by Inter Milan. It's just oh, wonderful. <laughs> Bill Shankly starts it off by going, "That's the Celtic's most successful football club in the world." Yeah, nobody can dispute that. <laughs> and the tune comes in. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's honestly. <laughs> I watched it so many times as a youngster. I found it on YouTube recently. I've watched it at least three times. Yeah, it's magic, James. It's a, it's a video that we had kicking about the house when we were young and, and one we remember yeah. well. And um, it, It's kind of essential viewing for all Celtic fans, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, would, I was 11 when that came out and we had it in the big chunky VHS tape. And so at 11 years old, you're going, you know, I'm a Celtic fan and I watch the football and I've been given a wee bit of kind of this and that about the history, you know, and, in the years I've been following Celtic and then you get that and it just solidifies and consolidates everything you know you get the full story up until the, the day you're still alive and I think it's just unbelievably well done the the high production value for, for when it was and the you know to get a Michael Vanny narrating that and you know just talking about Scottish football and all of the, the, the personalities that were on that there'll be a lot of people out there that don't know it exists and you're in for a treat it'll be one of the best pieces of Celtic media you've ever seen can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, it's absolutely magic. It's about an hour and a half long. I was looking at it earlier on today, just in advance of coming in here. And as always, we'll link to it. But Paul, is there any kind of highlights in it for you? James mentioned there's a number of personalities. Billy Conley features at some point, doesn't he? Um, you've mentioned guys like Shankly, you know, various others. But any big highlights in that show? Um, I like I like some of the uh, the celebrations at the end when we win the cup as well in the Scottish Cup. Uh, I like the really about player you know for, that you never heard of like Alec McNair alias the Icicle <laughs> you know and Johnny Crum who ensured that Saturday said the change in strip from stripes to hoops ensured that every Saturday ended with a flourish <laughs> just wonderful and then William McAvenny do you know actually when Hugh comes on and Hugh's talking about Celtic win the European Cup and he I'm not going to do his impression but he talks about you know the boys who swung around the closed poles of uh, the coal, how the, the miners' houses in, in, in Lanarkshire, showing the Helenio Herreras of the world how it could be done, and the tears in his eye. And honestly, I feel the goosebumps come up just now. There's what there's wonderful bits. It's so poetic because it's it's in 1988 to 1967. It's only 21 years of a difference. It's still fresh in the memory. 67 yeah. times is so long, and so much changes in the 20 years. We think about how 20 years from football from here to then. But uh, it's a great, it's a great piece. There's great moments in it. There's there's sh- moments of humour, heartfelt. But there's there's great to see old players interacting with each other. Um, Jim uh, Jimmy Delaney talking about his time at Celtic. He's John Kennedy's grandfather. Yes, I yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's it's great. And then you see we behind the scenes stuff as well from Celtic's European tour, uh, North American tour, in 1967. And but there's, there's, a, there's also a few just regular fans, aren't there? There's, a, there's a, a, an older lady whose his name comes up. I can't remember. And, you know, as well as the kind of famous figures, there's just there's just some real people talking just so passionately about Celtic, James. I think that's part of the uh, the, the allure or the, uh, the the poetry, as you say, Paul. About it. it's because 
well, Celtic isn't for celebrities. It's nice to have celebrity fans, but Celtic is for us and everyone. And that was a really clever piece of um, you know writing of that of that of that episode or writing that that documentary that you do make sure that you know the, the fans are fully represented and they very much are. Yeah. Uh, do you know I went to my brother got married at Seamill Hydro. Oh yeah. And I was outside when he was going, Seamill Hydro on the Eastern Coast and I'm up running about <laughs> doing the kind of they're doing the passing that's exactly where they did the passing right there. That's where they did the, the drill training exercise. Just love it. Yeah. Um, my mate GP and we used to do back and forth uh, chat from it. That's why it's been burned into my head yeah. for over the years. If I were to mention a man who features heavily in this one known as the hat, have you got any wee stories for us about a recent phone call you took? Aye. So Got a phone call a couple weeks ago and I answered the phone. I was taking my wee girl down to our Rainbows Club and it was, hello Paul, how you doing? It's Joe Miller. And I thought it was Joe Miller of Not The View fame, yep. um, who's a, a good friend of mine. And I started talking about, hi Sam Pauli, couldn't buy a win away from home this season. He's like, ah Sam Pauli, that's right, hi Sam. And then as I'm driving down the road, it's dawned on me that as I'm talking to him that you're not, and I went, you're not Joe Miller, my mate Joe Miller, you're Joe Miller Celtic, aren't you? He went, that's right. And I went, ah, oh, right, okay. So he had a, a, a big event that he, he's, it's coming up and I'm unable he wanted to book the band for and can he do it unfortunately but as I, I did say Paul McStay be there and he went aye the hat will be there and I just felt this oh, yeah. I said to him Joe you've just used Paul McStay's nickname and just kind of general conversation I said this is break my heart I said I can't do it but um, he was great he's, he was really really nice and aye so that was my really surreal because I got a phone call the day before um, from um, from somebody else who uh, who's kind of linked to Celtic and and through the 1980 Richard Jobson of the Skids who narrated the 1997-98 Celtic winning the league video okay and, uh, and I said to him Joe I just got a phone call yesterday for Richard Jobson so it's it's crazy not that I'm name dropping here I don't think, I think we get it, it, it. <laughs> anymore you want to throw no, no, but that was just nobody, nobody ever really phones me anymore but um, <laughs> but I just did say I want to say to Joe listen I kind of do this event it really broke my heart yeah but, definitely yeah. but Paul McStay and others the official history of Celtic Football Club um, available on YouTube now and as always we'll link to it and as I'd mentioned it really is essential viewing for any and all Celtic fans out there who haven't seen it already so great one to, to finish off the show James things are ticking along really well for Celtic just now and back to league business on Saturday with the visit of Aberdeen how are you feeling about things in general and what's your final comments for the week feeling good of course and just there so I'm happy it's just it's time to it's, I think I'd say the last week it's, it's, it's the best time of the season you know you're, you're still in all the domestic tournaments, you know, there's a, a treble on the table there. It's going to be a great run-in. I, I think the treble is ours to lose and there's there's work to be done to achieve that. But I really think we're only just starting to kick into fourth towards fifth gear now. You know, I think this is really starting to hit form. Yeah, it's a great time of season to do so. Paul, the final word for today goes to you. It's been brilliant to have you on the show. We've really enjoyed having you here. What's your last comments on today's episode? Well, Tino and Jamie... Thanks very much for having us on the show. It's been really wonderful to be here. I've actually really enjoyed it. Enjoyed talking about Celtic. Enjoyed reminiscing. Uh, yes, thanks very much. Hopefully I can come back on towards the end of the season. If invited, but no, it's been a ple <laughs> pleasure to have you on, Paul. It's been great to see you here today. So that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Paul for joining me today. And as always, our thanks to you for listening. Remember to send your mystery cell answer to us on Twitter for your chance to win a free month of the Celtic Exchange Plus. And beyond that, don't forget to visit theceltichexchange.com slash sign up where you can start your free seven-day trial. But in the meantime, from myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. 